Truth and Transcendence. Brought to you by Yes, You Now with Catherine Llewellyn. Truth and Transcendence, Episode 17. Why we don't want people to think for themselves and the subtle dynamics of ranting. So first off, if you're thinking, no, I do want people to think for themselves and I never rant, then you've obviously transcended to a higher level than anything uh, anyone I know has accomplished. Because what you've done is you've actually gone beyond something that's a very natural human dynamic, which is that sometimes we just want people to have already done the thinking and have already arrived at the place that we would like them to arrive at. The thing with people thinking for themselves is that takes time. And they need to be allowed however much time it takes for them to think things through. And sometimes we just don't have the patience for that. Sometimes we genuinely don't have the time for that and genuinely require people to just get on with it, just follow a direction, uh, believe in the solution that's being offered. Now, that's, that's a real and pragmatic thing particularly when you're running a business and you need to deliver and you need to be solvent and you need to be successful. So no, we we actually don't want people to be thinking for themselves necessarily all of the time. Or if we do, we don't necessarily want them to be doing that in a, um, uh, in a, in a broad sense in that every single thing that they're doing, they're thinking through from scratch. However, the thing, the thing about it is that we also recognize that if our people never think for themselves, for one thing, they're going to become kind of deadened and soul destroyed and unhappy, and that's no good for anybody. So, so therefore, we do need people to think for themselves some of the time. So how do we manage the fact that sometimes we need them to think for themselves and sometimes we don't? Well, there are two aspects to this. One is on the very pragmatic level, which is what are we trying to accomplish? What is it that we need? How do we need to be approaching this? Is this a situation where genuinely having people take the time to explore ideas and opportunities and possibilities and options around this is actually a productive thing to do? Or are we in a situation where we just need to knuckle down and get the thing done? Now, that's a pragmatic thing that I'm sure you're well capable of doing and you will have done many, many times. The level that's a bit more tricky is the more unconscious dynamics within our, within ourselves as leaders around any antipathy we may personally have to having people thinking for themselves. And this is, as I say, this is the more tricky bit because it's the bit that happens below our awareness. So for example, do we have a, a, a program running within us on the unconscious level, which says that it's quicker for us to do the thinking ourselves than it is to have other people do the thinking? 
Now, the thing about this one that makes it even trickier is that it's valid. In many cases, that's absolutely true. It is quicker for us to do the thinking ourselves and then direct everybody else. But if we also have a part of us that believes that that is always and absolutely the case, and therefore having other people think for themselves is always unproductive, that's an unconscious drive within us, which if we're not aware of it, and if we don't address it, can actually take over our conscious, pragmatic, strategic decision-making. Or how about do we actually trust people to come up with good ideas? Or do we have, again, within us, unconscious programming, which says that other people can't be trusted to come up with good ideas? Or perhaps they can't be trusted to actually focus on the problem if we leave them to it? that people's motives can't be trusted, that their capacities can't be trusted around thinking for themselves. And this sort of unconscious programming can go right back to much earlier in life. When we saw examples of people being left to think for themselves and actually not doing it, or doing it really badly and then causing significant problems. Now, actually, in those situations, I would suggest to you that there was probably inadequate supervision going on. So there was an inadequate holding container for the process of thinking for oneself. So, yes, leaving people alone to think for themselves, never checking in on them, not keeping an eye on what's going on at all. That's not responsible. So there is a balance required. But if we've been kind of tainted with negative experiences in the past around people being untrustworthy when they're asked to think for themselves. And if that has put within us a negative programming that we, that by default we don't trust people, that can interfere with our ability to make wise decisions in the present moment. Equally, we may have had a situation as we were growing up that taught us that it's irresponsible not to give people the answers when you know the answers. If you were parented in such a way that you were always given the answers to everything and you were never actually challenged to think for yourself, did you perhaps reach a state of mind where you have a deeply held belief, perhaps not consciously, perhaps below the level of awareness, that says that you must give people the answers if you have the answers? Because otherwise you're being unkind, you're being irresponsible, you're being a bad leader. So if you have that running within you on an unconscious level, that may actually interfere with your ability to give people the space to use their native intelligence, to use their natural inner resources and come up with what could be really good ideas. Or If they come up with ideas that are not necessarily better than yours, the fact that they came up with those ideas means that they are imbued with a with a greater significance, a greater sense of meaning for those people, and that their own motivation is triggered in a much stronger and more sustainable way than if you just gave them the answers. Now, I realise that everything I'm saying here is something that you may well have thought for yourself or that you may have learned about on a course, or that you may may have told other people about. 
My purpose in reminding us about some of these dynamics is to remind us that no matter how enlightened we are, no matter how generous of spirit we are, no matter how true of heart we are, no matter how much we may meditate, learn, practice, we still have these unconscious drivers within us. They will always be there. That's the bad news. They will always be there. But the good news is we don't have to try to get rid of them in order to transcend them, in order to rise above them. By recognising them and remembering that they're there and remembering to take a moment to just look within and say to ourselves, hold on a minute, am I unconsciously here? And the minute you think about it, it's not unconscious anymore, of course, but am I possibly in danger here of falling into the pitfall of assuming that it's always quicker for me to do the thinking myself and that therefore I must do, do that. Do I have a an unhelpful program running within me that says that other people can't be trusted? Are we saying that do we have an unconscious belief within us that people cannot think for themselves? Do we have an unconscious belief that it's irresponsible not to give people the answers? And then there's another very pragmatic one, which is, what if people think for themselves and make mistakes? Guess who's going to have to deal with the fallout of that? Probably us. Although, you know, if you're a very smart leader, then you will build into that an educational and learning opportunity for your people where they learn from their mistakes and they deal with the fallout. But very often, or, you know, certainly some of the time, there won't be time for that. Some of the time you will have to swoop in and fix it. And then you will have to really perhaps work hard to go back and and give those people that opportunity again. Now, there's another one, which is the one we really don't want to think about, which is if our people can think for themselves successfully, then what is the point of us? Do we then become irrelevant? And that's a genuine fear. I, I was fortunate to have a teacher very early on who said to me, Catherine, in your role, your primary job is to make yourself redundant, is to get to the point where your role is no longer required. Now, at the time when I was told this, which was some decades ago, this, this was a relatively unusual idea. It was a relatively ahead of its time idea because at that time, anyone in any senior role of any kind, they thought that the purpose of their job was for them to to kind of make their job more um, irreplaceable and make themselves irreplaceable. That's what they thought they were supposed to be doing. And that's what everyone was doing. And of course, the people trying to come up below them didn't weren't really very empowered by that by that approach. But I embraced that. I, I enjoyed that idea and, and I went for it gung-ho. And so I made myself redundant from numerous roles over the years by literally unpacking the role and delegating and empowering people and bringing people up. And I didn't realise at the time that this was kind of ahead of its time. But now, you know, and for me, this is pretty obvious because I was becoming a facilitator and a practitioner. But now everybody knows about this idea. Everybody's aware of this idea because 
we've all learned and recognized that this is one of the most powerful ways to succeed and to make money, which is to make the senior roles redundant. Because when you do that in reality, you release yourself to go and do something more exciting and more interesting, whether in service to that same organization or whether to go and create something else so that you're building a portfolio of successful businesses by making the leadership of each business redundant at your level and moving on, which, which is really exciting and, and great fun. But you can see why if we get trapped into some of these unconscious impediments to helping others think for themselves, we can never do that. We just get stuck in a kind of repeating pattern, a kind of groundhog day of being trapped in a situation where we always have to do the strategic thinking. We always have to make all the decisions. We always have to tell everybody else what needs to be done and how to do it. So wherever you have got to in relation to this particular question, Maybe maybe dust, dust the dust and the cobwebs off and, and just have another look and say to yourself, hmm, is there anything at all for me running on the unconscious level that's interfering possibly with my capacity for helping other people to think for themselves? And is could I kind of unlock that and free that up a little bit and take things to yet another level of empowerment and, and exciting growth and expansion for those people coming up behind me. And yes, we've all made mistakes in the past that could have been avoided by following someone else's directions. But we also know we had to do that in order to accomplish extraordinary things and become who we are today. So retaining our awareness of our own shadow in this area is vital if we are to encourage free thinking in others. So what does ranting have to do with all of this? How, how does ranting connect with all of these questions about leading people, helping them think for themselves? Well, actually, I did a little study of this over the last week, because I've, I know somebody, a very intelligent, very successful retired businessman, who has a propensity for ranting. And I was sitting, um, listening to this person ranting the other day and thinking, why is this person ranting? And why is it so uncomfortable to listen to? Why does it just make me want to just leave the room? <laughs> you know, and I was listening to what he was saying and thinking, actually, I'm agreeing with everything he's saying. It's all absolutely correct. And I'm impressed by his knowledge. So why is it so difficult to actually listen to the ranting? So when I got home, I called somebody else who knows me very well and knows the other person very well and said, yeah, what is it? What is this about ranting? Why do people do it? And why is it so difficult to listen to? And he said, well, Catherine, you've got to remember that ranting is caused by distress. When someone's ranting, it's because they're distressed. Often they've discovered some information about what's going on and that information has distressed them. And they've looked outside themselves 
and they can see that other people don't seem to be aware of the distressing reality that they have discovered. And they are frustrated at the fact that people don't seem to want to wake up or don't seem to want to take action about the distressing reality of the moment. Now, whether that reality they've been exploring and researching is to do with something that's going on in their business, or whether it's to do with something that's going on in their community, or in their family, or in, or in society, or something political, or something in the economy, whatever it is, that person has actually kind of dived, dived down deeply into discovering some stuff. They found out some information and they are very upset about it. And they're very upset that other people don't seem to be awake to it and don't seem to be taking action about it. And their ranting is, is a mixture of blowing off their distress because keeping that distress inside the body actually makes it worse. It's like, it's like feeling poisoned and as if that is kind of swelling in the body to the point where you feel you're going to burst with the distress. And so the ranting is, is a way of, of kind of purging the system, push, pushing the distress out of the body through a good rant. But the trouble with ranting is that unless you've got somebody listening to you who's actually agreed to listen to the ranting and you've mutually agreed that you're doing this because it's therapeutic and it's a kind of remedial temporary thing you need to do to, to blow off, to, to, to vent, unless you've got that going on and you're ranting as a kind of innocent, unsuspecting bystander, that person is liable to, to feel distressed by your ranting as well as distressed by the content of what you're ranting about. So you're actually making it worse for that person. And the thing about ranting is that the ranting style of communication is painful to listen to. And it can actually make people fearful and it can cause people to shut down and to withdraw because it's so painful on the receiving end. It's like an assault on the senses. It's very much the opposite to if somebody in a calm voice and in a warm way and also paying attention to you says to you something like, I've actually discovered some stuff recently. It's a bit distressing. I really like to tell you about it because I think it'd be useful for you to know about it. Is that okay with you? And then you say, yes, okay. And then they say, right, the first thing I discovered is this. Da, 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 da. Does that make sense? At which point you've got the chance to come back and say, actually, that makes no sense to me. It sounds like nonsense. And actually, I really don't want to hear it. And they then may back off. Now, at that point, they're not ranting at you. They're giving you the opportunity to actually take in and digest the information at your own pace. But if instead they start ranting at you in a very uh, passionate way, continuously on and on and on and on with and another thing and this is terrible and that's awful, the natural reaction to that is to want to withdraw. Or the other natural reaction is to go into a kind of blind compliance, a kind of I'll agree to anything, just make this stop. 
In other words, those reactions that are caused by ranting are anything but somebody thinking for themselves. When we're ranting, we're causing people to shut down and pull away or to mindlessly comply. Both of which are probably part of the cause of our ranting in the first place. So my point really is that what ranting is caused by distress and it also tends to cause more of the thing that caused our distress in the first place. So it's a negative pattern, it's unhelpful. And I'm particularly raising this now because I've noticed in the last couple of years there's been a, a, a massive increase in the incidence of ranting among people I know personally, people I don't know, but but li- listen to and see on screen and read about. There's an awful lot of ranting going on. And, and, you know, there's a lot of distress going on. So fair enough. But for ourselves, we can actually keep an eye on ourselves and just check ourselves. Are we ranting here? Are we uh, in danger of actually causing more of the thing that we are distressed about. So this is this has been um, not not necessarily great fun this particular episode um, because I've been talking about some quite uncomfortable aspects of um some of our own shadow really that that it's really good for us to engage with and have a look at when we're looking at helping other people think for themselves. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're aware of, of your own shadow and I'm sure you're aware of a lot of what I've been talking about. So I hope that this episode has been a, just a little refresher for you. And also to keep in mind that everything we've been discussing in this episode may also be true for your people. You'll have people on your board with this same shadow. So by exploring your own shadow that perhaps puts you in a slightly better place to empathise with with them and their shadow when they're actually engaging with some of these issues for themselves. So thank you for listening. Please do have a look at the notes below the podcast notes in whichever um, podcast software or app you're, you're using because there are some interesting links there there's a link there for the ebook why thinking for ourselves is a strategic necessity and what to do about it so some of the things i've been talking about in these episodes can be found in that ebook and some more in-depth analysis so thank you again have a great week and i will see you next week you've been listening to truth and transcendence the regular weekly podcast from Yes, You Now with Catherine Llewellyn. For more information, head to yesyounow.today forward slash podcast.